not going to sing it again just at the moment. Uh, it's quite incredible, isn't it, that, that an event that happened 2,000 years ago in the Middle East has us sitting here in this building this morning to remember what it was that happened. I mean, even when it happened way back there in the Middle East at that time, no one knew about it. Just a couple of scruffy shepherds and a, a few wise guys who came to visit. But we're here today because of that king, Jesus, who was born to bring salvation and life to this world. Will you pray with me before we look at what God's word says? Father, we thank you that you have given us this incredible gift of your son, that when we didn't deserve it and when we didn't even think we needed it, your son came into this world to live, to teach, to show us what you are like, and to die in, his, in our place on the cross. We pray, Father, that this might be a Christmas where that message sinks in that little bit more for each one of us and that we might seek to live in light of that. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, you probably heard the news. We, uh, we have a new king. Uh, it's strange, isn't it? It sounds really weird talking about the king. Uh, king Charles III, his name is. Um, and it's funny, when these stories come, when, when these events happen, there's always the same stories that come up about the, the arguments about the monarchy, do we really need them, the incredible wealth of the monarchy, shouldn't they just give all their money back? And that's been the case through, with royalty right through history. Now, don't get me wrong, I don't want to sound as though I'm critical of the, of the royal family, but kingship for God's people, kingship in the Bible presents us with a very different idea of what the monarchy ought to be. God didn't want his people to have a king who was just like all of the other kings around them. Israel was to have a king who was completely different to every other king around them. The king wasn't to set an example of opulence or wealth. He wasn't to be above the people. He was to be one of the people. In fact, he was to be the perfect example for all of the people in that kingdom. This is what it said in Deuteronomy. This is what God says. Before a king has been put on the throne, God tells them what the king over his people ought to look like. When he takes the throne of the kingdom, he's to write for himself on a scroll a copy of the law taken from the priests who are the Levites. It is to be with him and he is to read it all the days of his life so that he may learn to revere the Lord God and follow carefully all the words of this law and these decrees and not consider himself better than his brothers and turn from, and, and turn from the law to the right or to the left. Then he, is, he, sorry, then he and his descendants will reign a long time in the kingdom of Israel. So before Jesus came, that's what the kings were supposed to do, what they were supposed to be like. The king was supposed to be a role model for the people. The king needed to be committed to living and serving under God's kingship, to be God's king over the people. Sadly, when you read through the pages of the Old Testament, kingship didn't go that well for the people of Israel. I mean, even the best of kings managed to stuff things up pretty badly. People like King David or King Solomon off to a flying start, but a disastering end to their reign. They got off started, they started well, but it didn't last for long. 
And the failure of kingship in Israel meant the failure of the kingdom. But the pages of the Old Testament keep us hoping, praying for something better, that God will step in and fix things, that there will be someone who can come, who can set that example of obedience and faithfulness. In fact, God God promised that he would send a king. This is what it says in 2 Samuel. The Lord declares to you that the Lord himself will establish a house for you. When your days are over and you rest with your father, I will raise up your offspring to succeed you who will come from your own body and I will establish his kingdom. God says that he himself will raise up the king and he will establish the kingdom. The people of Israel clung to that hope for hundreds and hundreds of years, waiting for the time when that king would come. They, they clung to that hope in the dark days when the kingdom was overrun by the Babylonians, when they were dragged off into captivity. And they clung on to that hope because they knew that God would be faithful. When we open up the pages of the New Testament, right at the beginning of Mark's Gospel, it says this. After John was put into prison, Jesus went into Galilee proclaiming the good news. The time has come. The kingdom of God is near. Repent and believe the good news. Jesus says it's time. It's time for him to take the throne. The New Testament writers are in no doubt about this. They know that these these things happen because God promised in the pages of the Old Testament that they would happen. All the the language about kingship is there for the birth of Jesus. In Luke's Gospel it says, Today in the town of David a saviour has been born to you and he is Christ the Lord. And when the wise men come, Who do they say they're looking for? They go to see King Herod and say, where is the one who was born king of the Jews? The wise men had travelled this ridiculous distance to be there to acknowledge the kingship of Jesus. Jesus has come to establish God's kingdom. And how's he going to do that? Does he pull together a big army? Does he take to the field in battle? Does he accumulate massive amounts of wealth? Does he overthrow the government? No. He establishes this kingdom in the most extraordinary way. The kingdom is established in the most ridiculous way. The message is Jesus is the king and he reigns because of his death on the cross. The kingdom grows as people respond to this good news that Jesus has come to be king, that he has lived and died and risen again. It's a a kingdom like no other, but it's a kingdom nonetheless. It's a kingdom of changed hearts and lives. Jesus says that it's about repenting and believing Repenting, recognising that you haven't been heading in the right direction and, re- and, and turning to, to face the right way, to walk the right way. It's not a kingdom that's measured by power or wealth. It's a kingdom built on changed hearts 
changed attitudes, changed lives. It's a kingdom established by loving God and loving your neighbour. It's a kingdom established with Jesus clearly as king. This is an amazing quote that I found. Um, When Napoleon was in the prison island of St Helena, he spent time researching. They gave him a library that he could use there. And he spent time researching the leaders of the world to try and find out what it was that, that made them great. And this is what he says. Alexander, Caesar, Charlemagne and I have founded great empires But upon what did these creations of our genius depend? Upon force. Jesus alone founded his empire upon love. And to this very day, millions will die for him. Lives changed by faith in Jesus. That's the kingdom that Jesus came to establish. Lives changed as people decide to become a part of Jesus' empire, Jesus' kingdom. Well, it's Christmas Day and right around the world people are going to be singing carols for the next 24 hours. Angels we have heard on high. Christians awake, come all ye faithful, Mary's boy child. And the list could go on. You probably heard them in the shopping centres heard them sung in the domain. Well, I hope that this Christmas is one when you can make sure that you have bowed your knee to Jesus as your king. Will you pray with me? Our Father, it is a mind-boggling thing that you have done in sending your son into this world. It's beyond our understanding that he could achieve the things that he did but above all, that he could bring forgiveness and life for all those who are willing to trust in him. We thank you for the kingdom that he has established, a kingdom built on love. And we pray, Father, that you will help us to be a part of that kingdom, to have our trust in your son, Jesus, and seek to bring glory and honour to him in the lives that we live. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.